Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Join the conversation on our social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome to another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. I'm your host, Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, is the co-host, it's Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. And i got to say just one thing with the World Series. Uh, it, according to Take Me Out to the Ball Game, every game of the World Series has been a shame. This is very true. Mm-hmm. We will get into that during the Rounding of the Bases segment. No and if you're, not, if you're not entirely understanding what I mean... Just run through this song, take me out to the ball game in your head, and you'll understand it. Absolutely. We have a lot to discuss in the land of sports, so definitely join in the conversation on social media. You can find our accounts on OchoDuroParleyHour.com, and remember, use the hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Now, conspicuous by his absence is the one and only Coach Duffy, mm-hmm. and he is out celebrating the Los Angeles Chargers triumphant win. The streak is over. The curse is broken. Go Chargers, go. San Diego Superchargers was raining loudly in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So, Pad, we will start off with your joint leap as mm-hmm. well, because as we always do on the ODPH, we continue to break down our locks and leaps, giving you our NFL predictions and game by game of who we think was going to be a win by a lock and who is going to be a long shot. So, Pad, start us off for this week. Right. Like you said, uh, I took uh, the Los Angeles Chargers to beat the Chicago Bears for my leap uh, this past week, which I narrowly got. And by like the uh, hair on my chinny chin chin, narrowly uh the los angeles chargers defeated the chicago bears by the final score of 17 to 16 uh coming down to a missed field goal shocker the chicago bears having kicker issues oh again. my god again uh-huh uh philip rivers 19 of 29 for 201 yards uh one touchdown one interception mitchell trubisky 23 of 35 for 253 yards passing no touchdowns one interception all right, so easiest takeaway from this is the chargers got very lucky mm-hmm. obviously the kicking woes of the Bears worked in their favor. Oh, yeah. The other takeaway from this is Mitchell Trubisky. Is he the guy or is he not? See, I don't know what more you need from this guy because, again, like 253 yards, average 7.2 yards. You know, David Montgomery gave you 27 carries on 135 he yards. He finally on emerged. You know, he finally emerged. And then you look at the passing game. Nothing stellar. Nothing 150 yards and four catches. But, no, still. Anthony Miller, 67 yards. Allen Robinson, 62 yards. Taylor Gabriel, 53 yards, which is all very good. It's like, you know, the offense is clicking, it seems, but just something's not clicking when they get to the red zone. They can't find the way in, and no. now it's coming down to a matter of this is now costing them games very badly mm-hmm. because, let's face it, their kicking woes are becoming legendary, Yeah, which you can't sugarcoat. Legendary in all the wrong ways. Right. So all their kicking woes are coming back to haunt them. But if they can't punch the ball in the end zone, whose fault is it? Right. And it has to go to the head of your offense, mm-hmm. which on the field it is Trubisky. Right. And obviously, with the big trade, they went up to go get him in the draft, albeit though they moved the draft position. But when you move up that high, mm-hmm. you give up a lot to go get a player. Was it worth it in the end? We don't know. And obviously, the production on the field really hasn't resonated. When you have a defense led by Khalil Mack that is dominant, mm-hmm. that can take over games, you need to balance that out with an offense that can put up points and ensure the win. Mack and company are doing what they can on defense. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, you look at Khalil Mack yesterday. He had four total tackles, uh, three solo tackles, one sack, you know, you know, and then one, uh, what is this, uh, two pe- 
passes defended like he is just a, being a monster per usual. Yeah, he's doing all he can do on his side of the ball, so it has to be reciprocated. Trubisky, 253 is nothing to really sneeze at, but when you're only putting up 16 points, mm-hmm. you have to start wondering. And this is where the blame starts to fall. David Montgomery finally, like we said, he finally emerged, so the running game started to look like it was something again. Right. Obviously, with Jordan Howard now going to Philly, mm-hmm. obviously there's a, a big void there that needed to step up, and Montgomery is finally showing graces of that. Right. But if you're going to compete, you got to put up points, especially in the division led by Aaron Rodgers. Right. you got Aaron Rodgers. you got you know Minnesota's making, maybe making a resurgence, making a comeback, and then you got uh, Detroit, who are certainly no slouches. But you got to do something, and if the offense is the issue, I mean, you got to maybe look at the offensive coordinator, who at this point is Mark Heflerich, if I pronounce that wrong, I apologize, who has been their uh, offensive coordinator since last year. Prior to that, he was the head coach at Oregon from 2013 to 2016. You know, and, and he's got a lot of college experience, but this is kind of his first foray into the professional game. So I don't know whether it's just a transition from prof- college to professional and kind of like a learning curve or something, but something ain't working. Something is definitely not working, and it's affecting the win-loss column. I mean, now the Bears are 3-4. and four. And obviously trying to catch up to Aaron Rodgers, who is the gold standard of that mm-hmm. division. And the Green Bay Packers, they're not going to pull it off. I'm no. sorry. It's just not going to happen. So for the Bears, what do you do now? Do you try getting another quarterback in the draft or free agency? Do you stay with Trubisky and, and ride it out? I, th- I think you stay with Trubisky, but I think you might need to get him maybe a couple more weapons. Montgomery, like you said, finally emerged. Allen Robinson is, is a good receiver that has proven himself. I think you need to go get something else with that. Now, whether that's another deep threat or maybe another like short guy who can run all the stuff on the sides and, and in the middles to kind of balance that stuff out because other teams have made that work. I mean, Yes, I'm a Patriots fan. Julian Edelman makes that work. Buffalo makes that work with Cole Beasley. Mm-hmm. You know, there are teams that make it work where, okay, you got a deep threat and you got a guy for the middle. Maybe they need something like that. They need an A.J. Green. That's true. That's what I think they need. They didn't pull the trigger on the trade deadline, though, to right, get them. Right, But that would have made perfect sense. Or even an Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. But, I, but the problem I think there is Trubisky is still a young quarterback. Yeah. To handle an ego like OBJ, and let's face it. It's, it's a lot to handle. I'm sorry. The, the takeaway, and we'll get into this when we talk about Coach's lock, which I have no problem talking about this because there's been a lot of stories coming out. Uh-huh. When your star wide receiver is more concerned about giving goat-haired cleats yeah. to the opposing team's quarterback than a win-loss. Which I realize, you know, they lost to my favorite team, but even to me, that's still weird. That was weird, and that like, just, that's but that says enough that you need to know that him coming there to Chicago. Right. Jersey swap, I understand. Like, I get, yeah. it, I get it was a football thing overseas with, you know, Lionel Messi and then Ronaldo and guys like that. I get that. I understand that. And to me, that's honestly kind of cool. Like, if, I, if I'm a football player and I retire at the end of my career, kind of like what Dwayne Wade's got, you know, with all those jerseys in his house, that's cool. That I got no issue with. To me, it's just weird, like, oh, yeah, I'm going to give you my shoes. Yeah, it just didn't really make any sense, but that also goes to the image that is being portrayed by that play. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, if you're more focused about your image than the than the play on the field, win losses are not going to be something you're going to be accustomed to. No. Him going to Chicago, people could say, oh, I've been in breath of fresh air, we've been X, Y, and Z. No. No. Him around Trubisky would have been disastrous. Mm-hmm. A.J. Green has always been a consummate professional, and he does love playing with Andy Dalton. Yeah. He has never once complained about his quarterback, yeah. to my knowledge anyway. Not that I can think of. So him going to Chicago would make all the sense in the world. Maybe it's going to happen in the offseason, 
but Chicago needs to find a way to generate offense. Mm-hmm. They're not doing it. I'm sorry, 16 points is not going <clears> to <throat> win you that many games. And and I'm sorry, apologies to Coach Duffy for what I'm about to say here. Their schedule ain't going to get any easier. They're out of the remaining games they have left in the season. There's one game they got a shot of winning. Uh, the remainder of their schedule is they got Philadelphia. They're in Philadelphia uh, this coming Sunday. After that, they're home against Detroit. Travel to the Rams. Home against the Giants. Travel to Detroit. Uh, they're home against Dallas. Travel up to Green Bay. Uh, home against Kansas City, and they close out the year uh, up in Minnesota. Yeah. So arguably, the only game they got a shot maybe uh, is the Giants. I would say so. Outside that, uh, good luck. It's going to be a tough battle. And obviously, with what we've seen on the field thus far, unless they find a way to magically kick that offense into gear, mm-hmm. good luck. It's not going to happen, Trubisky. No. In my opinion, Trubisky's just not the guy. Not, it, he might be, but just like you said, he's young. He's still developing. You know, Maybe it'll finally click if they get some other offensive coordinator in. Who knows? They need to get something in, whether it's another offensive coordinator, whether it's another offensive weapon. They need something because if I am the Bears, I am not waiting that long on Trubisky to make uh, something happen. Right, and they may not, but the thing of it is, is at least for me, you got to give the kid a shot. Like, you know, it's obviously not working now. Get some, other, some get some other weapons and try some other things out. You know, maybe even switch up offensive coordinators. But even I would say after next year, if you're still getting the same, where like it's just not working. All right, then you got to move on. Yeah, no, I give a very small window of opportunity for him. Yeah, because if you go out and get an AJ Green type player, mm-hmm. I'm just going to throw him out there because obviously he's going to be arguably the biggest free agent wide receiver out in next year. Mm-hmm. If you go get him and you bring him to Chicago and you start out 0 four. Good luck. Yeah. It's, it's over. It's a wrap. I'll say because Bears fans are uh, very rabid. Well, as they should be, because you have a dominant defense that mm-hmm. will keep you in every game. You take a look at all their losses. They haven't really been blown out, I would say. No. So to have that on your offensive side of the ball that you can't keep up with the defenses keeping teams under, what, 20 points a game, give take? Yeah, give or take. Yeah, you need to do something. And the, I'm sorry, the fan base has a right to be mad about this. Right, and there's definitely some offensive weapons that they can look at the next year. I mean, just looking at wide receivers alone, now some of these might retire, some of these might not happen. But as we record, these players are scheduled to be free agents come this offseason. I mean, you've got names like Larry Fitzgerald, uh, A.J. Green, like we mentioned, Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb, Tavon Austin, Danny Amendola, you know, Jermaine Curse, you know, Devin Funches. There's definitely some names out there that, like, all right, you might not be able to get some of them, but you got to make a shot with somebody. You got to take a shot with somebody and Chicago needs to make some moves. Mm-hmm. On the other side of the ball, the Chargers decided to show up this week. Hey! hey! What else can you say about it? Just put up some more consistent numbers because this team should be putting up way more points than 17 and should never have been as close as yeah, it was. Yeah, don't make me guilty. I forgot to put Drew Brees in my starting lineup, Philip Rivers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, no, you, you ride with a hot end. I thought yeah. Rivers would be having a great game. Well, but and, I, and I think at one point I was looking at the fantasy site we use for our, our league, and I was uh, Drew Brees was projected to have like four points or something like that, and I was just like, oh, yeah, I'm not going to start that. But eh. it's a tough break, but it's a catch twenty two. But Rivers and Company should be putting up way more. Oh yeah, there. with the weapons they got and the talent they have. Yeah, yeah. To be three and five is an insult, and obviously they they need to do some work. But I think we've already talked about the team formerly known as San Diego enough. Mm-hmm. No need to just keep bashing them. They got to do something. This was a good win for them on the road. The the coach curse is gone. Yeah. So we'll have to see what happens moving forward. 
So let's go to your lock pad. Yeah, my lock was the Green Bay Packers to defeat the Kansas City Chiefs, which they did by a final score of thirty-one to twenty-four. Aaron Rodgers twenty-two, or excuse me, twenty-three of thirty-three for three hundred and five yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Matt Moore twenty-four of thirty-six for two hundred and sixty-seven yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Well, I have to admit, I was very surprised at the Chiefs running as well as they did yeah. with Matt Moore. I mean, because go back and listen to the last week's episode. I thought that the Packers would cover this spread and handedly because, well, it's Matt Moore. Right. And I had no faith in him. And you look at the record and you look at the, the career stats and you're telling me he's going up against the Packers. And I get it's a home game, but forget about it. But hey, you know what? They, they proved me wrong a little bit. They absolutely did. And you have to give a tip of the cap to him. Yeah. If they can hang with Aaron Rodgers, and they did. Yeah. And especially with the team that lives and dies by Patrick Mahomes' play. Mm-hmm. Let's face it. Their defense doesn't scare anybody. No. No, no way, shape, and or form. So you have to win in a shootout every time. With Mahomes under center, yeah, you can definitely do that. And especially when you put up 17 unanswered on Green Bay in the second quarter. Right, because Green Bay has a defense. We don't talk about it a lot because of the greatness of Aaron Rodgers. Right. But they have a defense that is very underrated and can shut some teams down. So for Kansas City to do what they did, and Matt Moore, 267 and two touchdowns. That's pretty good. Nothing to sneeze at Two touchdowns, only got sacked twice. Yeah. They showed up, and they showed that they can hang until Mahomes comes back. I don't think they're going to make a deep run with Matt Moore, so let's not not get that twisted. No. I think it's going to be... You know, a win here, a loss there until Mahomes deci- comes back. I don't want to say decides to come back, but obviously, when your MVP quarterback is nursing an injury, you're going to be very careful. You should be very careful. I know this nonsense of he's coming back week ten, maybe. Good luck, and if you do, and he gets hurt again, and I am not wishing this by no, any chance. No. Kansas City will be a fool, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You can't rush an injury like this to your star quarterback. No, and, and, and especially when it's your star quarterback, your MVP quarterback, your franchise quarterback. That you know it's going to be your the helm of your offense for the next 15, 20 years, however long it ends up being. You don't want to rush this. You don't want to screw this up because you go you rush this back and go. Oh, hey, he's good. When he really might not be a hundred percent. He might be seventy five, eighty percent back, and he gets injured again. And then he's out for the next year? Yeah. That's going to be on you. Exactly. And if that happens, oh, trust me, we will be more than happy to address that on the show. Mm-hmm. Because this is foolish. They're saying a dislocated knee and what, ACL sprain and, and all that, like and all that, that yeah. too. Take your time. Like, I sure. understand you're still, what, five and three? Five and three. In a very weak division out west with what, Denver? Denver, Oakland, Oakland and the Chargers. Yeah, Chargers, three and five. All right. You can definitely beat the Chargers. I'm sorry. I'll say right now they're sitting in first place. Oakland is in second place at three and four. Chargers are three and five, like you mentioned. And then Denver's two and six. Yeah. So what are you trying? So to So you you got that division locked up. Yeah. You unless you go on a, a cataclysmic collapse. Well, say that three times fast. No, thank you. I mean, the next couple of games they've got they've got they've got their bye week in week twelve. They've got Minnesota next week. They travel to Tennessee in week ten, and then week uh, eleven is at home against the Chargers. Yeah, so they should be more than fine if they want to sit Patrick Mahomes, which they should. Make sure he's a hundred percent. Because, like we say, if you were foolish enough to rush him back week ten. Don't tell me the defenses aren't knowing that he is hurt in his legs and are going to take a shot at him. Right, and especially if you know they keep having maybe some spotty performances from Matt Moore that it's not as good as they are, they're going to need 
uh, Mahomes back if he's able to come back after at some point after the bye week. No, I'm not going to give a week when, but just looking, let's just say he comes back after the bye week, and and let's just say they lose the next three games and they're sitting there, you know, five and five and six. Mm. They're going to need him because out of the remaining uh, five games after the bye week, uh, four of them, or excuse me, three of them are division games. Right. So Oakland, Denver, and then Chargers to close out the year. Yeah. So obviously. If Kansas City is smart, Mahomes sits. Mm-hmm. And obviously put it in the hands of your offense because Moore is making points happen. Yeah. And it just you go up against the 7-1 Packers with Aaron Rodgers, 305 and 3. Aaron Rodgers dropping absolute fadeaway dimes that I thought was going out of bounds. Yeah. My I, God. I mean, what can you say about Aaron Rodgers? I mean, MVP candidate in his own right. I, easily every year and just continues to throw passes that I think have no business being caught or are going out of bounds and somehow get caught. But that dynamic with him and the coach, right, is just it's mm-hmm. so weird. Like the, I just you can think that there'd be a discord, but just the coach is being smart enough to allow Rodgers to be yeah, Rodgers. He he knows Rodgers knows what knows the offense, knows what to do, and he's at that point where it's almost like if you ever used Peyton Manning back in the day in Madden, and you know all of a sudden you'd be sitting there, and all of a sudden, oh hey, there's what the one of the defenders is uh, scheduled to do on the play. You know, Rodgers is almost in the same thing where he knows what he needs to do, and don't forget he's a master at getting guys off sides and getting a free play. Right. So with Rodgers kicking in high gear, seven and one, arguably thinking they have their division locked up. Minnesota is giving them a run. I know actually, Sound Guy Lord Jr. shouted out and said. You need to start talking about the Vikings more. Well, when they can catch when they can catch up to the Packers, sir, or you come back to studio, we'll definitely do that. But shout out to you, sir. Yes. But that being said, Packers are looking great. Yeah. And to match it on the other side of the ball, a possible Super Bowl contender uh-huh. matchup, shall we say? Sure. Is the Patriots? I could talk about my lock in the Rams, but them beating down the Bengals. I mean, what can you say about that? I'd rather talk about Cleveland and New England coaches lock. Oof. Which. Obviously, Cleveland got a dose of reality. Mm-hmm. There is a lot more story to be said with this. And dare I say, you are the Patriots fan in the room, Pad. I mean, Jarvis Landry learned, much like Ryan Clark did back in the day, don't make guarantees against the Patriots. Yeah. I understand that you want to get that bravado, but Cleveland right now, the hype is over. Yeah. The reality has set in. Yeah, Freddie Kitchens is not – a great head coach. Freddie Kitchens is an awful head coach. He is looking what was it? Lost fourth down, and he took a delay a game and yeah. went for it. Yeah, he had the punt what? team out, and they called him right back. That just showed a sheer panic mode, in my opinion. Now, I am a very big Browns apologist, and I will be the first one to tell you they have all the talent in the world. Oh God, yeah! Nick Chubb was running all over the Patriots. Twenty carries for one hundred and thirty-one yards. Right, but when you get beat down twenty-seven and thirteen. And Belichick had motivation to do this. Mm-hmm. This was a game that really showed you what the Browns are made of. And Baker Mayfield, I understand people are saying now overrated. I don't think that is the case. But I think the problem you have is in your coaching structure. Yeah. And I think that that is now affecting him. I'm reading about a report that he got into a heated altercation with a reporter today yeah. Yeah. and walked out. Yep. The issue with the Browns is when – the GM, John Dorsey, let Kitchens be head coach instead of Greg Williams. When you have your coach and your quarterback are, like, very close because they're the offensive coordinator. Right. It's almost like you, you placate it to your team. You let the inmates run the asylum, in mm-hmm. my opinion. 
Kitchens, we really didn't know what to think. I mean, obviously, I thought this would go a lot better. Right. I mean, we were willing to give the guy a shake because, you know, we haven't really seen much from him. Right. So this is when you really are kind of seeing, okay, what is this team made of? Sure. Kitchens is just not looking like he knows what he's doing out there. No, and I mean, of... I mean, the Browns gave up, what was it, three consecutive turnovers on yeah. three consecutive plays? They play very sloppy. It, it was a disaster. It was a complete disaster. I know the Waterboy comparison from the movie. Yeah. The, the one I mean, I mean, by the you know the first one, I kind of I know it's a turnover on their part, but Nick Chubb fumbled the ball and it was pouring rain, and for God knows what reason, he decided not to wear his gloves. Yeah. Suffice it to say, after that fumble, he came out wearing gloves. So okay, but by the third ter- consecutive turnover, you had Jim Nance and Tony Romo going, "Oh my God, again!" Yeah. Like when you've got the announcers almost embarrassed by this going what the heck's going on it's not a good look it's definitively not a good look especially when this team came in with so much hype and now they're getting exposed and say what you will about the patriots i am not a patriots fan and i make sure that is very clear on this show but i will always give the devil his due they come in they do their job they take advantage of bad teams mistakes that is exactly how you sum this game up Mm mm-hmm and Brady and company did what Brady and company do best. Yeah. If you give them three turnovers, they are going to put up points. Oh, yeah, especially when at least one or two of them was inside the red zone. Exactly. So if you give them that much opportunity, they will kill you each time. Mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield needs to figure out what this offense is going to be under him. He needs to be the one that is pulling the Aaron Rodgers and cutting the discord from Kitchen and calling audibles and doing what he needs to do. I don't think he's overrated. I think he's overhyped. That is the issue. And you're saying, okay, well, what's the difference? I think that he is was buying into what everybody else was saying mm-hmm. concerning the Browns and that you know he was going to be the next coming. I think he has all the talent in the world. Right. But I think as far as putting it together, he, he bought into the hype more than he bought into his skill. Mm-hmm. Until he figures that balance out. They're going to struggle. Well, and especially, I mean, I definitely think he, I definitely think he's got the potential there. But like you said, it's just the coaching structure needs to be changed. Currently, their offensive coordinator is Todd Munkin, who uh, prior to this was offensive coordinator for a year down at uh, Tampa Bay. Which hmm, I don't remember anything stellar about that offense. No, not exactly. And before that, he was the offensive coordinator, wide receivers coach at 2016-2017. And before that, he was the head coach at Southern Miss from 2013 to 2014. Like the 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 record is showing me that he's not that good. Like Baker's got the potential and they've got the weapons there. You've got Chubb and you've got Landry and OBJ, but like whatever they're doing, it's not working. I'm going to go out on a bold prediction. I think if they don't win more than four games this year, kitchens is fired. I would not surprise me. And I think Dorsey is a smart enough GM to make that call. I might say it's not rash. Mm. I think that you have all the talent in the world on this team to have them underproduce, and they're just literally going off their own hype yeah. into games. They're, you you know, need it, to steer the ship back. And, and on paper, they should be great. And then you look at just the way things have shaken out with that division. Pittsburgh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger goes down. You know, you've got Baltimore and, and Lamar Jackson, and you've got Cleveland, or not Cleveland, excuse me, Cincinnati playing just god-awful. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at it going, all right, they should if they don't contend for, you know, the, the, the division win, they're going to at least be in the wild card picture. But just you look at it and looking at the remainder of their schedule, there are games here that you should be like, oh, yeah, that's a lock. But just given the way they're playing, you don't know. They've got a game. They got one game against Denver, Buffalo, two against Pittsburgh, uh, one against Miami, two against Cincinnati, and then one against both Arizona and Baltimore. 
Yeah, you would think that that would be an easier schedule than said. Mm -hmm. But obviously this team is puzzling Yeah, to know. This isn't like Atlanta where we go, who is Atlanta? (laughs) We know what the Browns have. Yeah. Browns have on a, paper, it's there. They have a great running game with Nick Chubb. Oh, yeah. Baker has shown he can win games. He has the talent on the wide receiver core. Mm-hmm. Albeit everybody's complaining, well, OBJ hasn't really been a factor. He doesn't need to be a factor. He's there. You could use him as a decoy. They have enough yeah. people on there. That's the beauty of what the Browns have right now. Between what um, Landry there and mm-hmm. Najoku, their tight end. I mean, they have enough weapons they can get the ball around to everybody. OBJ, yes, he's a good player. Yes, he's you know a deep threat. But he's also the guy that should be drawing double coverage and opening up somebody. It's like you play basketball. If somebody's double covered, somebody else is open. Absolutely. So to see him not really step up and do that, and the only story that you hear about this week is about his goat hair cleats he gave Tom Brady. And it's always something with him. It's not his on-the-field play. It's his watch. It's his, you know, yeah. shoes. It's something. You get the media circus when you have him on your team. Mm-hmm. How's that working out for you, Cleveland? Not well. Exactly. So moving forward, they got a lot of work to do. The Patriots, I'm not saying we're going to talk an undefeated season. Um, I, listen, I'm not ready to go through another season of that. That that run in 07 took years off of my life, especially that Monday night game against Baltimore where it took a Jabbar Gaffney touchdown late. I'm not, I'm not ready for that just for my life. No, n- and nor should they be. The thing about the Patriots you have to admire is on the field, they show up. They execute, mm-hmm. rarely make mistakes. They are probably the most fine, well-oiled machine in the NFL. Yeah. I hate saying this. Let's say the defense is the best I've ever seen. Yeah. This defense is statistically putting up numbers Yeah, which are out of this world. Now, I'm not saying they're on pace with the 86 Bears, but they're, yeah, they might be. they're slowly getting in that conversation. Slowly. Yeah. I'm not fully crowning them, so... Before anybody comes at me on OD Parlay Hour. I mean, just some of the numbers we're looking at for the defense. I mean, they're allowing uh, 6.9 points per game, which is the best since the 34 Lions. 223.1 yards per game allowed, which is the best since the 91 Eagles. Uh, Four yards a play, which is the best since the 08 Steelers. Uh, 3.1 takeaways per game, which is the best ever since 2000. Uh, uh, 14.3 third down percentage, which which is the best ever since 1991. And their opponent's passer rating is 35.6, which is the best since the 73 Steelers. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, I like the one shirt somebody's selling. I don't know who because I got to kind of want it. They've got the entire starting defense on the field, and it just says the boogeyman, and, and it's all the defenders dressed as various monsters from classic movies like Alien and, and It and stuff like that. I kind of want that shirt. Well, you think about it. We were always talking about Brady on here. Yeah. Who's having a better season than McCourty right now? Uh, nobody. Exactly. How many interceptions do you have? Four or five, at least in, a row, in games in a row. Yeah, and he's a difference maker on that defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. So yeah. I hate saying it, but you got to get tip your cap to him. Yeah. Uh, and we'll have to see what happens this week against Baltimore because yeah. that's going to be a fun game. Uh-huh. And to wrap up very quickly, my leap almost came through. The Oakland Raiders went to Houston. Yeah. Lost by three. I had faith in like Houston. Houston showed some grit. They came back to hang out. I'll be it though, losing JJ Watt for the year. Oh, rough. It, that's a big loss. Huge but, loss. Feel bad for him, especially what is it? Two consecutive years now with season-ending injuries. Yeah, I, I I hate saying he's getting that you know stigma around him. Yeah, but he can't stay healthy yeah. for an entire year. He's a dominant player when he's yeah. on the field, but you know you got to get him on the field. That's the thing. right. Houston still has a good defense and their offense. When Deshaun Watson is playing well. 
everything is great. And when Deshaun Watson is making passes with his eyes closed. Yeah. But when that offensive line isn't giving him enough time to make plays, yeah. it's a whole different ball game. Yeah. They look good against the Raiders. No question about that. I mean, Watson had 279 and three. DeAndre Hopkins, 109 receiving. Fells had two touchdowns. They're making plays with the team they have. So if they can keep doing this and the offensive line can hold up, they'll be good. How far they can go, anybody's guess. I don't see them making a deep run, but they've been known to prove me wrong in the past. And for the Raiders, tough loss, but they're looking better on paper than I think people are realizing. I think for Derek Carr, 285-3, and three, their running game has been looking good. Not great, yeah. but good. They're contending a lot better under Gruden now. I'm not saying they're going to sneak into a playoff spot, but they have to be taken as a serious threat. Mm-hmm. They can't just be written off. No, yeah, I think Houston might be able to make a run. I mean, just looking at their remaining schedule, as as we record in the standings, they're currently in second place behind the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are five and two, uh, having been on a buy, been on a buy this week, uh, and then the Houston Texans are in second at five and three. So same win, just one loss behind them. Uh, but you look at the remaining schedule; they've got Jack, they've got a home game against Jacksonville this week before they the Houston Texans have their buy in week ten. After that, it's uh, Baltimore, Indianapolis, Patriots. Broncos, Titans, uh, Buccaneers, and Titans to close out the year. So, I mean, a couple of games in there, especially with uh, Baltimore, Indian, New England, that might give them a little bit of trouble, but should be able to beat Denver, Tennessee twice, and Tampa Bay. You would think. But then again, you never know what this team is going to do on the field. True. That's the problem. With True. It. So, till they solve that puzzle, anybody's guess what you're going to get out of them. And to sum up the week, though, is the trade deadline. Uh-huh. Did anything really jump out at you that you went, whoa? Um, Aqib Tlaib getting traded from the Los Angeles Rams to the Miami Dolphins, which I get was just a money dump to shore up Jalen Ramsey in the offseason, but it was still very surprising. That was a very shocking move. Yeah. That was shocking that you're going all in on Ramsey. Yeah, it, it, it's that was a shocking move. And then just kind of the more surprising thing to me was maybe the lack of deals because I know there was some baseball writers I follow on Twitter who were like, boy, that was exciting. You know, with all the talk and all the names that were getting thrown out, you know, at, at one point, middle of the day on trade de- the trade deadline day, it seemed like anybody short of Sam Darnold on the New York Jets was up for sale. And and they only ended up trading the one defensive player to the New York Giants. But everybody else that was get, their name was getting thrown out, nobody got moved. Yeah, it was kind of an interesting trade period because you thought A.J. Green might get moved from um, Cincinnati. Yeah. you There was talk Le'Veon Bell was going to get moved from the Jets. That man Mick, gave you a mixtape, and you tried trading him? Yeah. Come on. Uh, granted, there, I mean, the Jets is now becoming a very messy situation, too. Yeah. I mean, what, Jamal Adams is asking out now, too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He wanted out to go to, what was it? Dallas. Uh, Dallas, because he from the Dallas area or something like that. I, I mean, the Jets are now having some internal problems, so offseason, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. But I, I was very surprised too i thought that you'd see a big move per se with a wide receiver i thought yeah. aj green might be the one especially with cincinnati now going to full rebuild mode andy dalton is now on the bench yeah so obviously it was a little lackluster i mean the jets and giants making a move was kind of crazy and yeah and then to leave going to miami have fun Ugh. And, Ugh. enjoy your however long it's going to be of uh, tax-free income because that's about all you're going to get down there yeah i don't th- i don't think he's staying around for long no but definitely hit us up on the hashtag ODPH. What was your thoughts about this past week's NFL action? What game stuck out to you? What team is moving in the right direction? What team is getting ready for the offseason? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. 
Hey guys, Snow here. I just wanted to give a real quick intro. Snow, what are you doing? Uh, Grog, I'm in the middle of something. I can see that. Wait, wait a minute. Microphone, headset, script. Are you recording the new promo? Yes, Grog, I was recording the new promo. Not without me, but I'm the master of toast. Plus, I've been practicing. Okay, fine. You can help. I'll read the script. Just chime in when you feel like you have something important to say. Yes. Hi guys, Snow here. And Grog. I just wanted to give a real quick introduction to our podcast, Missing Role Player Found. We are an actual play Pathfinder podcast following the adventures of the Odd Guild. That's my guild. We were all living our normal lives until we tried the latest MMORPG. And that's when we found out we were all trapped in the game and we could die. Oh, but don't worry. We still find plenty of time to have fun. Sometimes a little too much fun, if you know what I mean. Yes, Grog, I think we all do. And that's why it took us so long to finish the last floor. Hey, that one wasn't my fault. Any of that sound interesting? Why don't you check us out on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. Nailed it. Hey, this is Matt Jane. This is Julian Hepworth. I'm Ross Marchuka. And John McBride. And we're shot at the robots. You're listening to... D-P-H Coming back for segment number two on this edition of the ODPH, and we have to talk some UFC. Uh-huh. And we are going to go full UFC this entire segment because yes. there's been a lot going on. Last week was the UFC fight night in Singapore. Yeah. Uh, fight night 162. Little, little UFC for your breakfast. Exactly, and dare I say this fight, we did tease a little bit on the show. Mm-hmm. Ben Askren versus Damian Maya. This was going to be a ground battle, as you would expect from both of these guys. Right. Not a lot of striking. Damian Maya mm-hmm. submitted Ben Askren. Yup. In the, uh, the 354 in the third round. Yeah, rear naked choke, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, shocking. Mm-hmm. Absolutely shocking. That I, I didn't think he was going to do it. And now Askren is talking about retiring. Yeah. Which... Feather in your cap. Yeah, I. Well, I, in, in Damien's cap. Yeah, in Damien's cap. Damien is having a resurgence at forty-one. Yeah, and this is absolutely bananas to see out of him. Uh, granted, I at welterweight, I don't know how far he's going to go. I'm not saying he's deserving a title shot, right? But he's definitely having a good win streak in a row, you know, three fight win streak. He's looking the part and taking out Askren. You do you really think the UFC is regretting making that trade now? Probably. I mean, you've got what is it, Mighty Mouse still being as dominant as ever, and you got Askren, and he's fought what two or three times and already talking retirement. Well, I mean, he was already retired pretty much before he came to the UFC, and obviously his first fight in against Robbie Lawler, controversial ending that he got right. the, he got the win for. Right. Then he faced Jorge Masvidal. Nuff said mm-hmm. the knee shot heard round the world. And now he has his loss against Damian Maya. So I could understand if he does want to retire. Yeah. He's definitely earned it. He's still charismatic as all can be. So I would not mind seeing him doing commentary no. for the UFC, no. doing a little fight analysis. So if that's what he wants to do moving forward, hey, I'm okay with that. But no, yeah, in regards to the trade, UFC got the short end of the stick on this one. Mighty Mouse is Mighty Mouse. I've said, uh-huh. it, I've said it for many times. I think he's arguably the pound-for-pound pound best fighter on the planet. I think the only wilder thing in this fight card, and I don't think it's been talked about enough, was the heavyweight matchup between Cyril Ga- uh, Gain, Gagne, however you say it, uh, who defeated Don. Dantale Maez, uh by a submi- via submission via heel hook. Yeah, heel hook submission from a heavyweight. Yeah, that's a insane. Like normally we're talking like teeth flying and and blood flying and knockouts with heavyweights. No, this was a heel hook submission. Yeah, this is some high level maybe Frank Mir stuff. Yeah, we haven't seen it in a while. No, 
But obviously, the reports coming back on this card was great. And like I said, for Damian Maya, huge win moving forward. Yeah. But that is not the big fight we are going to be talking about. Nope. We are now where, Pad? Uh, we are going to Madison Square Garden this Saturday uh, for the UFC 244 matchup, where the main event is one Jorge Masvidal versus one Nate Diaz for the baddest motherfucker title. Yes. That's an actual thing. We have gotten to this stage. We are going to go over some fights on the card before we deep dive into this one because we have got some thoughts highlighted on the preliminary card, though. Mm -hmm. Corey Anderson versus one of the show's favorite fighters, yeah. Johnny Walker. Mm -hmm. Anderson, twenty or 12 and 4, rather. Walker, 17 and 3. Huge implications for the light heavyweight division. So this is going to have some big... Big ramifications for a title fight yeah. going forward. Obviously, Dominic Reyes did what he did against Chris Weidman. Pad, you're counting something up right now. So. No, yeah, I was just kind of looking at the at the records here. Corey Anderson currently on a three-fight win streak, uh, all of them being unanimous decisions, uh, beating Patrick Cummins back at a UFC fight night in a April of 2018. Then it was Glover Teixeira at a UFC fight night in July of 2018. And then uh, it was Ilya Latifi uh, at UFC 232 back at the end of uh, December in 2018. And then you switch to Johnny Walker, who is currently on like a nine-fight winning streak. Yeah, Walker is on a roll right uh -huh. now. Huh? And he's winning dominantly, too. Uh, let's see. He's got one submission win, one decision win, and the rest of the wins in his current win streak are all knockouts of various sorts. So, obviously, the road to John Jones is a difficult one. Mm -hmm. Anderson is trying to make a case. I know that there was a little social media, a little showing up at a press signing, trying yep. to do a little trash talk to get under back John's skin. John is not going to be phased by that. No. Let's, let's face it. He has his eyes set on a big fight that I think is going to happen down the road with Stipe Miocic. Yeah. That's the one. He's going to announce he's going to vacate light heavyweight, and he's going to go up to heavyweight. And yeah, he's, he's very smart. Like, as, as much as people might hate on the guy and, and trash the guy, and in some instances, deservedly so, he's a very smart guy when it comes to his trash talk because he doesn't just focus it on one person. He kind of spreads it around so that all his chips aren't in one pot. You know, it's like, all right, I got some of my chips in against, you know, with Steve Miocic in case I face him down the road. But if that doesn't work out, hey, I've got this other guy that I've kind of been going back and forth with. So if, you know, the Steve thing doesn't work out, I got this other one. Right. And obviously spreading it out to Adesanya mm -hmm. and 185 to maybe have him step up to 205. Maybe. I mean, I don't it, see it happening. It, it, I don't see that one happening. The Miocic fight makes a lot of sense because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm already saying. He's not going to fight Cormier. No. So I'm ruling that out right now. No, I'm I'm expecting if Cor if Cormier doesn't like relinquish the title and retire, he'll take one more fight and retire. Yeah, but he's he's pretty much done after the Miocic yeah. fight. Makes perfect sense. Let him ride on the sunset. If he wants to do a super fight against Miocic, Johnny, that is, I'm all for that. Yeah. And, and that would be a great fight. But for this one, taking Johnny Walker, uh, he's on a roll right now. Yeah. He's going to be – if he gets past Anderson, he's going to be on the fast track to a title shot. Mm-hmm. I have been saying, though, I thought he should fight Dominic Reyes at right. some point. I still stick to that fight. I don't think Reyes is ready for a title shot, and I think that if he beats Johnny Walker, you can then say, okay, I think he's ready. But I do like Johnny Walker a lot in this fight. I would say this could be a third-round knockout. I mm -hmm. think I think Anderson's going to scrap with him. Yeah. But honestly, I think at the end of the day, the W is coming back to Johnny Walker. I think it's going to be uh, Corey Anderson personally. Nothing against Johnny Walker. He's got a good record. He's got a, you know a lot of talent. But just 
you know, this is kind of the first name that Johnny Walker is going up against. Whereas you look with Corey Anderson's record, like I mentioned, Latifi, Teixeira. Uh, he's also fought Ovin St. Peru, Jimmy Manoa, Mauricio Hua. Like, he's fought some names, you know, Blaskovitz, and, and I, you know, I could just go on and on and on. This is Johnny Walker's first test. I think Anderson is maybe a little more battle tested mm. and and fought some of the you know okay you you know Johnny Walker you beat some of the, maybe the lower tier guys or maybe even baseball term the triple A guys right you know but you're now in the majors you're now fa- you know you're not facing triple A pitch at triple A level pitchers with your major league. Uh, level batting like you're facing guys who are on the same level if not better than you so and i think uh, anderson might be able to catch him it could definitely happen i mean i'm not saying it's gonna be a walk in the park by any right means, no god no but i i do think this one's gonna be a nice way to kickstart the main card yeah and as we d- jump into the main card the opening fight is kevin lee versus gregor gillespie mm-hmm. common man vincia totally representing crow's nest mma chimed in and was saying gillespie all day yeah any thoughts on this one, Pat? Uh, no, I'm really, you know, if, if Common Man's big on this fight and, and really thinks it's Gregor Gillespie, I'm definitely going to pay attention to it because heard the names don't really know all that much, but I think it could be a good fight. Gillespie is a is a tricky fighter. Uh-huh. Um, he has definitely shown, obviously, the record 13-0 and you can't take a fault with. He can definitely match up to any opponent right now that I've seen him. I've only seen him a couple handful of times. Right. But he will grind out wins, and he will take the fight to Kevin Lee, who's making his return to lightweight. Right. You did do some work up in welterweight. Didn't work out the best. I think lightweight is a better weight class for him. Right. Overall, though, Gillespie's pace and his grappling style, I think, is going to give Lee some trouble. Mm-hmm. I do think this is going to be a decision, and I do like Gillespie in this one. Yeah. No, it's definitely going to be interesting. I mean, I'm looking at the – at the records between the two. Kevin Lee's got an impressive record. I mean, he's fought Rafael Dos Anjos, Ally Quinta, Edson Barboza, Tony Ferguson, Michael Chiesa, just to name a few names. So, that, no, that's going to be a real good fight. Yeah, it's going to be a great way to kick off the card. Going to the heavyweight card, mm-hmm. Derek Lewis hey. versus Blegoff Ivanov. Uh, I'm going out on a limb here. There will no, be no heel hook submission to end this fight. Heck no. This one is going to be... Last man standing mm-hmm. at the end. Oh, my Lord. Uh, Ivanov should win this fight, but you can't count out Derek Lewis. Nope. Derek Lewis is a haymaker away from pulling a W out of somewhere. Mm-hmm. And he's been known to do this. Uh, obviously, a very polarizing character in his own right. He is very charismatic. Yeah. Uh, some people love it. Some people don't. I mean, he's definitely beat some names. I mean, he's beat Roy Nelson, Travis Brown, uh, Francis Ngannou, Alexander Volkov. But but his last two fights, unfortunately, are losses. Uh, his first one was against Dan- Daniel Cormier, who submitted him with a re- uh, rear naked choke back at UFC 230. Uh, and then his last loss was against Junior Dos Santos, who knocked him out in the second round. Yeah. The thing about Lewis, like I say, he's either going to get knocked out or he's going to knock you out. This mm-hmm. is not going to be a jiu-jitsu match by no. any means. No, no. And Ivanov I, has those hands. He can do it. But I, I can't go against Derek Lewis. No. But I will say this. If I had to make a guess, I'm taking Ivanov. But I'm not – if Lewis winds up knocking him out, I'm not going to be that shot. Yeah, it, it, this is going to be real close either way because I'm looking at uh, Ivanov's record. Uh, he's got two losses on his record, one against Junior Dos Santos, which was a, by a unanimous decision, so he went the distance with Junior Dos Santos. Yeah. No no easy No easy fee, task fee. there. Uh, and then uh, before that, it was a submission by rear naked choke loss to Alexander Volkov uh, back in Bellator in 2014. And prior to that, the only other you know kind of blemish on his record uh, was very early in his career back in 2008 where it was, uh, no contest because the ring broke between him and Ilya Latifi. Yeah, you can't really fault anything about that. No. So, but that was wow. That was fifty-five seconds in the first round. I mean, 
crazier fi- crazier ways have ended a fight. So I, I want to see if there's video of that because that'd be amazing. Yeah, I'm sure you can go do a Google search and find out. Probably. Um, but obviously that's going to be a good fight. And then going up to the third fight on the main card, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson mm-hmm. taking on Vicente Luque. Uh, this one uh, could be a sleeper fight. Could be. Could be. Thompson, you can't deny he's pulled off some stuff with his karate style. I know it gives opponents fits. Yeah. Uh, Luque, definitely no slouch in that area as well. Yeah, I mean, Stephen Thompson, uh, in 19 matches uh, in his professional mixed martial arts record, he has is 14 wins, four losses, and one draw. On the flip side, uh, Vincente uh, Luque, very early in his career, uh, in two matches, he is one and one. Yeah, for the UFC there. Mm-hmm. So this one, obviously, I'm going to go with a favorite on this one. Th- yeah. Thompson is very battle-tested about this. Yeah. Uh, nothing against Luke. Luke is going to show up and he's going to scrap. Oh yeah! But trying to figure out how to defeat the karate style of Thompson is tough. Mm-hmm. He does work a lot of angles. He keeps you at distance with his kicks. It's he's going to have to really allow Luke to pressure him inside with like some dirty boxing. Come in with the strikes early, to, cutting off the space of the cage. If right. He, if he can do that, Luke can win. But I think Thompson is going to win this one. I think. I'm not going to say it's going to be a boring fight. Like I said, I think it's going to be more of a... It's going to be technical. It's going to be a very technical fight. Yeah. Some people love, some people hate. Yeah. That being said, I'm going with Thompson by a decision, and we'll just kind of see what happens. No, I definitely think it can be by a decision. I mean, you look at his last two fights in the UFC, uh, Vincente Luque both got both fights into the third round. So I definitely think this is going to go the distance. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like I said, I like Thompson in this one. Going to the co-main event. Mm-hmm. Making his middleweight debut. Yep. Darren Till, yeah, taking on one Kelvin Gastelum. Mm-hmm. Pad, your thoughts on this? This is going to be a real interesting matchup because, like you said, it's Darren Till's debut at uh, middleweight, the middleweight division. Looking at the records, uh, you've got up oh, there it is. Uh, Twenty matches for Kelvin uh, Gastelum. He's fifteen wins, four losses, one no contest. And on the flip side, in twenty matches for Darren Till. Uh, he has 17 wins, two losses, and one draw. I mean, uh, Darren Till's last couple matches, he lost uh, to Jorge Masvidal by knockout in punches back in March. Uh, he lost to Tyrone Woodley uh, by a submission. And then before that, he was on a bit of a win streak beating Stephen Thompson and Donald Cerrone, just to name a, t- name a few. Uh, on the flip side, uh, Kelvin Gastelum's last fight, uh, he lost against Israel Adesanya by unanimous decision for the interim middleweight championship. Uh, before that, he had a two-fight win streak where he beat uh, Jacare Souza and then Michael Bisping. So, you know, this is going to be a... This is like, give me a coin. For me, I am taking Calvin. Okay. I am going to break this down pretty easily. Darren Till, to me, is a one-trick pony. Mm-hmm. He can strike. Obviously, him at welterweight was having some weight cut issues if memory serves me right. He's moving up, but I think he's still very young in the fight game. I don't think he's as fully developed on the ground in his wrestling. I think that the, going up to a bigger weight class, you're going to have guys that are used to wrestling at that at that weight. Mm-hmm. I think Kelvin is going to give him problems. Yeah, uh looking at his uh Darren Till's record here, he did miss weight twice. The first instance was uh back in 2017 where he it was a catchweight fight at 176 because Till missed weight. And then uh at the second time was back in 2018 against Stephen Thompson where again he missed weight. Right. So for him to make the move up I think is smart. Yeah. If you can't make weight, you got to move up or you just don't fight. Yeah. 
Calvin is no stranger to that situation. Obviously, him trying to make the cut to welterweight was an issue, mm-hmm. and this is why he's gone to middleweight. But he can scrap at middleweight. I mean, take away the fight from Bisbing because Bisbing took a fight on short notice, and he right. should never have taken that fight. I will stand by that statement. Calvin can scrap with anybody. The fight against Adesanya was no slouch or no walk in the park either for Adesanya. Right? Mm-hmm. Calvin will stand there. He will scrap, and he's going to be the bigger fighter of the of the two here. Calvin can wrestle. Till can't or hasn't shown me enough that I go, okay, if he gets taken down and put on his back, what's he going to do? Right. I don't think it's going to be a short fight. I just think this one could go the distance. Mm-hmm. But I am taking Calvin. I, you know, I'll even go out on a limb. I'll say Calvin by third round submission stoppage. Okay. Even stretch that out there. That's what I like of this this fight. Till needs to show me something more. Yeah, no, I'm I'm going the same thing. I mean, I, I think Calvin's going to be able to win this just because, like you said, Till the talent is there, but there's been some blips or some issues on the record there. And until you prove me wrong, I'm. Gonna bet against you. Yeah, he needs to go to a different camp, I think, and get some more learning. So Could that, be. That's just my opinion of him. Going now to the main event. Uh huh. For the baddest motherfucker title. Mm-hmm. This is not the what I'm calling it. This is what Dana the, White, yeah. the president of the UFC, is tight is calling it. And and they're gonna have Dwayne the Rock Johnson there to put said belt on the winner of the fight. There's an actual baddest motherfucker belt that has been made. We don't know what it looks like. It will be debuted. Uh, this Saturday. Now, I can't imagine that there's... I'll just say this. There's not going to be a separate division made called the Baddest Motherfucker Division. I mean, I'm sure whoever wins this will say they're the leader of the Baddest Motherfucker Division. But regardless, this is going to be out of control. So let's break this down, shall we? Mm-hmm. Jorge Masvidal. Yes. Who is riding on one of the biggest knockouts in MMA history with his knee-shattering strike to Ben Askren where we honestly thought Asker might have been dead. Uh, And in case you're not familiar with it, if you go to Jorge Masvidal's record uh, Wikipedia page and scroll down to his mixed martial art record, the official round is the first round. The official time, five seconds. Exactly. He wasted no time. It was, as he would say, super necessary. Mm -hmm. Masvidal is no joke. Masvidal has a long history in the MMA game. And people are now finding out about him because he's made some high-profile wins. Yeah. Albeit he's had some high-profile losses, too. But you can't take anything away from his credibility. He has always been a fighter that will show up, and he will scrap. He will go in there. This is why the whole BMF title is relevant per se. Yeah. Because when Nate Diaz decided to make his return after his second round or uh, second fight with Conor McGregor. Right. And obviously, he lost that fight. It was the biggest payday I believe he had. Easily. Easily. So he needed a reason to come back. Mm -hmm. And he came back to fight Anthony Pettis. Showtime. And he scrapped with Anthony Pettis. Oh, yeah. And he won. Went the distance. And the thing about Nate Diaz and Nick, to be quite honest, too, they're not shy to say their opinions. No. If you want to talk about fighters that keep it real... You'll always get an honest answer out of those guys. Mm-hmm. You'll get an honest reaction. Yeah. Whether you love them or you hate them, because they are very polarizing characters in their own right. Sure. Nate is not afraid to call out somebody. He's not afraid to speak his mind. There's he, there's no filter. Like, whatever he thinks, if you ask him a question or say something to him, whatever he thinks is coming out of his mouth. Like, there's no filter like, all right, I'm thinking this, but I need to adjust it in this way and maybe change a few words. No, he's just going to say it. 
he's going to say it. And obviously, after his win against Pettis and in his interview, post-fight interview, he called out Masvidal because mm-hmm. he said there's no gangsters left except Masvidal. But he's no West Coast gangster. Yeah, to paraphrase. I mean, and we've even seen the fan made poster where it's you know uh, Diaz in the form of like you know GTA San Andreas, mm-hmm. and then you you know you've got uh, Masvidal in from uh, GTA Four in New York. Yeah, because the credibility between those guys for being fighters, and what I mean by this is you can be a mixed martial artist, but how many guys go, or women go into the cage and scrap? And really throw hands, make it really messy fights. We'll say how many guys are ballsy enough to lay down in the middle of the octagon in the middle of a fight against one of the greatest of all time? Yeah, Nick. Nick set the bar. Like, if you want to ask me, Nick should be the one fighting the BMF title. If you want to see one of the wildest fights of all time, look up the highlights of who of what was it, the Diaz versus uh, uh, Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva. Yeah, like, that's all you need to know. Yeah, Nick. Nick has set the bar. Nate just follows in the shadow too. But Nate has carved out his own niche because. Yeah. The one aspect that we didn't really touch upon, and I know it was breaking last week and we were kind of waiting a little bit to hear what was going to happen, is Nate showed up in a USADA drug testing right. for some substance. Something which, got flagged. But to Nate's credit, and I applaud him for this, yeah, was I didn't cheat. I've never had a history of steroids. You clear my name. He forced the issue where they went through the process. Mm-hmm. So let's just put this in they, perspective. They, they forced the process and, and processed it way faster than they normally would. They didn't even do this for John Jones. No. So let us just say that Nate has elevated his stock to the level. I don't want to say he's the new face of the UFC, but it is hard to say that he is not. Yeah. He has now transcended where he was when he left, and this is absolutely astonishing to me he's he's on the cusp of being the face of the ufc he's real close he's he's a name that diehards know obviously casuals know but i think it's he's not a name yet because you know the every once in a blue moon you know have a passing interest but aren't really that into it might not know yet if he wins this saturday and give him an open mic on pay-per-view where he won't be edited Mm mm-hmm It'll go down in history, and that's when you will hear about it, and it'll make the rounds on Twitter. It'll make the rounds on Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, you know, Snapchat, whatever. And that's when, you know, it'll go, you'll have the, the you know, not, not even casual, but you know, passing interest go, wait a minute, who is this guy? Oh, I love this guy. This guy's amazing. Well, he is very charismatic when he speaks because he keeps it 100. You, do you want to talk about something? Yeah. No filter, says what he says. Doesn't give a crap what you think. Didn't, what wasn't thinks? there one fight where it was like on FS1 or Fox Sports and like he swore on air and Joe Rogan was I'm like, I'm not uh, surprised, motherfucker. He goes and Joe Rogan's like, you can't say that we're live on TV. He's like, yeah, so? Yeah, he doesn't care. I mean, that's just how he is. And you, it's 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 gravitating to mm-hmm. because so many fighters are not afraid or are, are afraid to be themselves per se because there's certain ones that are a character. Colby Covington is one. Uh, he's number one. Yeah. But there's some that are just, this is who they are. And this is why Nate has a, the, the, both Diaz brothers have the cult following they do. They have a cult of personality. You know who they are. You know what they're going to bring to the cage. You know every time that they walk in there, they are going to fight. It, it's and, it's a fight where either brother comes in. You turn your phone upside down. You put it down. You glue your eyes to that television. Yeah. The only times it's a boring fight is when they have to face like a wrestler like GSP. Yeah. GSP versus Nate was a boring fight, but it wasn't on Nate's end. It's because that's how GSP fights. Yeah. He ground he wrestles. So this being said, Nate has now made this into a marquee matchup. For Masvidal, 
This is his most high-profile fight in his career. For Nate, this is his chance to just push his you know, Q rating through the roof and become a household name. Mm-hmm. The Rock is going to be in attendance ready to hand the belt out. Whatever happens after this is going to really steer the course of direction for the UFC for the next year. Pad, this all being said, who do you got? Uh you know, beforehand, you know, leading up to the fight before last week, I was kind of like, ah, man, I don't know, Diaz. You have given that man a lot of motivation that he didn't need. You know, with the USADA thing and and the whole nonsense that happened with that, he is he has got a lot of motivation to win, and I think he's going to be able to do it. This is a very tough call for me. Diaz, obviously, with the time off, has stayed in shape. He's been razor sharp. The fight against Pettis, he did what he did, and you can't fault him. He he sat there and scrapped. Masvidal is no joke. For Masvidal, if he wins this, he's an automatic number one contender for the welterweight title. There is no question he can jump the line. He would be established. He would be made however you wanted to find it. If he loses this fight, where do you go from here? And that's the question you have to ask. Granted, Nate is not exactly a contender for the welterweight title, uh-huh. but you kind of have to think what bigger fight is going to be in Masvidal's future than this one, and this is for legacy. Right. That being said, I do like Diaz in this fight. I love Masvidal. I have been watching him for many years now. He is always an entertaining fighter. He goes in there. He scraps. This is why the fans have wanted to see this because – Usually you get fighters in there, and they don't perform under the pressure. You could say Derek Lewis versus Francis Ngannou. You sure. want to talk about that fight and that snooze fest? This fight will not be that. These two gentlemen are going to go in that cage, lay it all out, and they're going to absolutely try kicking each other's ass. Mm-hmm. This is why you're going to spend your hard-earned money to watch this. You will be entertained. Do I think this is going to go the distance? Arguably, Maybe. Maybe. But I think Nate ultimately puts the pressure on him. I think that his you know, volume of strikes is going to give Masvidal some fits. Mm-hmm. Is it going to happen early? No, but I think once you get to like the third, fourth round, I think that that's when Nate's going to turn it on. Nate's probably going to get busted open in this one. He'll be a bloody mess. But that's the way he fights. After this, when The Rock comes in and does whatever, Nate can really call his own shot. Yeah. If he really wants that dream fight against Conor McGregor for the third time, he'll get it. If he wants somebody else, he'll get it. I personally don't want to see him fight Conor. I want to see Nick fight Conor. Oh, that'd be good. That's the fight I want. That's the fight I need. For Nate, unless something really crazy happens, like an eye poke or something, where does he go from here? He could always fight a Justin Gaethje because – Justin will swing with him. Who else is really standing out there as the BMF? You can't say Cerrone no. at this stage, even though Cerrone is a BMF in his own right. Oh, yeah. But you have to ask, where do you go from here? For Nate, he could disappear in the sunset again because the thing is he's been vindicated and cleaned for his name. He has nothing really left to prove. This is a marquee fight. He can disappear until he wants to come back, and that's the scary thing of how he's ascended in the UFC. Yeah, he, he can literally call his own shots. Who would have thought this five years ago? Not me. 
I'm stunned by this. Uh-huh. But it's going to make this the marquee fight to watch this weekend. Maybe the year. It's debatable to see what's going to happen. Side. But the thing is, when you go and watch this fight, and you are going to spend your hard-earned money or however you're going to see this fight, which is this fight will be worth your money. Oh, yeah. I, I guarantee you this fight alone will be worth it. Granted, you have all the Hollywood hype and MSG, the 500th live card for the UFC, too. Yeah, the five, 500th live event for UFC. They're going all out for this. Mm-hmm. So get ready for a show. Get ready to see some fireworks. If Diaz wins, that post-fight legendary will be the most legendary, epic thing you have ever heard. If Masvidal wins, it'll still be an eruption. If Diaz wins, he'll make Chael Sonnen envious of what he said. Who knows who he's going to call out. If he's going to call out anybody, he might just say, Dana, I'm done. Came, saw, and conquered. Could be. It's going to be fun to watch this weekend. So Saturday, it's all going down. ESPN Plus or however you watch your pay-per-views. UFC 244. Hit us up on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. What is your predictions for this weekend? Are you riding with Masvidal? Are you going with Nate Diaz? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Vince the Cowman Toy, local MMA fighter, telling you to keep on listening to the ODPH, the 607's up-and-coming newest podcast. back for the third segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast and let's talk some basketball basketball is my favorite sport yes and one week into the NBA a lot of headlines a lot of overhype a uh-huh. lot of news stories so pad let me ask you this what is jumping out to you week one the Sacramento Kings are winless no I'm kidding uh no honestly I mean just looking at the standings alone the San Antonio Spurs being undefeated is jumping out is a little bit surprising I mean no Tim Duncan no Tony Parker no Manu Ginobili no Kawhi Leonard you know it's kind of that's you know obviously yes Greg Popovich is still there one of the best coaches of all time so that you know that's jumping out is very surprising uh 76ers are out front in the east undefeated at three and oh but I think the most surprising thing for me has got to be just as dominant as the Clippers have been I mean, we knew they would be good defensively. I mean, that's one of the things we talked about. You bring in Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Patrick Beverly, you know, just as dominant as they've been. Yeah, the biggest story for me is how the Los Angeles Clippers have came and kicked in the door Mm -hmm. and made statement wins. Statement. The fact that they are playing at such a high level this early, and granted, it's early. Oh, yeah. But they have shown up. They have done everything they need to do. And the beatdowns that they have been putting on other teams, and that's the only way you can describe it because it has been ugly as all blazes, Yeah, is astonishing. Kawhi Leonard is asserting his dominance. And obviously, take a look at that you know huge, huge throwaway shot that he did mm-hmm. uh, against the Lakers. Yeah. That was a statement to say the least. That just the hard shots, the one shots that he needs to set the tone for – He's nailing. And obviously, it's going to come down to a fight between them and the Lakers. Oh, yeah. And just how 
everybody in the West is going to have to match up because the Golden State Warriors are, dare I say, are they declining a little bit? They're from- looking a little human. I mean, they're, I'm not, I don't necessarily want to say declining because the pieces are still there, albeit one-third of that is missing. You know, the talent is still there. They still have Steph Curry. They still have Draymond Green. You know, Clay Thompson is, you know, coming back next season because they the uh, Warriors have basically ruled him out for this year, saying that he's not coming back this year. So I don't necessarily want to say it's a decline, but it's kind of a step back a little bit because we knew this would be coming. Like, okay, you lost Kevin Durant, who they say, oh, we're still a good team without Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant added a different dynamic to that team that they are sorely missing. Clay Thompson was a, is another dynamic that they are missing sorely right now. So when you you know it's like if you play baseball and you got two of your best hitters and two of your best hitters go down, you know you're not going to do it real well. No, they're not. But I think just the fact that they've been very vocal and I mean they've had some bad losses coming out the gate, Golden mm-hmm. State. I think has been a really true telling sign. Um, obviously it's still very early, but just this is the initial first week reactions. For Golden State to be as playing as bad as they are, and you can say whatever you want to about it. No, Clay Thompson does hurt them tremendously, mm-hmm. and you know uh, D'Angelo Russell has been a, a very good acquisition. Yeah, but it's going to take some while time for that team to gel. But if they start falling behind very early, it's it's a tough hill to climb out of per se, especially yeah. in the Western Conference. Yeah, if it was the Eastern one, I'd say no, we don't really have to keep that much of an eye on it. They'll just kind of sort right. Yeah, out. I mean, it's the it's the Eastern. It's if like you said, if it was the Eastern Conference, all right, you're not on you're not in the top eight. All right, you'll be fine because you know the Eastern Conference. It's kind of like two or three good teams, and then the rest is kind of eh, maybe not with the Western Conference. No, I mean, currently, as we sit here standing, the Houston Rockets are in the eighth seed in the Western Conference with Phoenix and Portland right on the outside looking in. Like, there are no slouches in the West. No, there really isn't. So, obviously, you need to bring your A game every night in the West. Or the, the Clippers are doing it. Golden State is trying to, but, you know, they got they got to work through some issues. The L.A. experiment, though, with the Lakers, how would you define that thus far? Um, Kind of a, a trial and process. You know, I mean, we saw this when LeBron joined up with Dwayne Wade and, and Chris Bosh down in Miami, that it was kind of like a feeling out period. They had to figure things out. They're having some successes, and they're doing all right to start off the season, but it hasn't been, you know, if you expected a grand slam home run out of the park, out the gate, your, you know, undefeated record, blowing teams out by 30 points and, you know, whatever, you're you're sorely mistaken. I think Anthony Davis has been playing off his the, yeah, the forty and twenty game. Yeah, that definitely stands out. But overall, the Lakers still aren't scaring me that much. No, and obviously LeBron is doing what LeBron does. He does have some help. Obviously, Anthony Davis yeah, is still on the court with him. I mean, that makes up a lot of ground. But overall, you know, I can't really sit there and go. You know what? They really look like contenders thus far. Right. They do look good. They look good, but. Am I really worried about them? You know, as making a run against the Clippers, the Clippers have sent that benchmark early. Mm-hmm. They play better defense than anybody in the league right now, and to see the Kawhi is getting better. I mean, how scary is that? That's very scary. I mean, getting back to the Lakers thing, they're three and one, which good start, but that one loss is against the Clippers, and their three wins are against the Jazz, uh, Hornets, and Memphis Grizzlies, who they're all teams the Lakers should beat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, like, make my judgment on how good they are when they play some teams that are contenders for the playoffs or on the outside looking in. Like, the three teams I mentioned they beat, they should beat them. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not really going, oh, your stock is rising because you're on a three-game win streak. No, your stock is the same for me. Yeah, your stock is exactly the same. It's There's nothing scary about them. Like, no. I don't, I don't really sit there and go, okay, the Lakers can beat the Clippers. 
And obviously, one game was not enough to make my decision, but I'm just looking at they're beating the teams they should beat. Mm-hmm. But let's see them face some real competition moving forward because the Clippers are the benchmark right now. Yeah. I mean, I know it's one week, but look at what they've done. You take a look at the games they've played. The Clippers have sent that benchmark. They're going to be the ones that everybody's gunning for, mm-hmm. and they're only getting better. Like that, how like for such short, a short period of time, it's truly astonishing that they're looking as good as they are. Yeah, and to look at the rest of the Western Conference, the Westbrook Harden experiment jury is still out. Yeah, it's it's still a feeling out period. I know that some people in the news media there were trying to make some story about, you know, like, well, Harden and Westbrook were arguing with each other. and that They're, be they're the- two very competitive individuals who, unless they're winning, if they don't win every night, they're they're it's a disappointment. It's it's the Yankees mentality. It's the it's the Dallas Cowboys mentality. Unless we're winning and we're winning championships, we're, you know, it's the season's a wash. They want the best out of everybody, and they want to win every night. Yeah, I mean, you're going to have that when you have two alpha players yeah. like James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Finding enough basketballs for them both is a tough deal. Mm-hmm. And both of them are used to being the heads of their team. Both of them are used to being the you know guys that take the last shot. So to see them gel together, it's going to take time. Do I think it's a toxic environment? By no means. I think that they knew coming into this it was going to be an adjustment period. Mm-hmm. They were going to need to have that time to do it. But uh, obviously – with what the Clippers are doing, and I keep referencing them because they are the benchmark of the league right now. They have to find their groove, Houston, and they have to find it very quickly. Not to say that they'd be out of the playoff race by any means because I still think they're going to get there as long as nobody gets hurt out for the season. Right. But they need to find a way to gel together quickly and make it happen. Are they going to do it? I think so. Yeah. I mean, West- it's, it's very early in the season. It's we're one week into the season. Yeah, they've had all this time in the offseason to work stuff out together and, and practice and come up with plays in this. But it's like we say with other things. You can practice until you're blue in the face. It doesn't make it doesn't matter because it's not an actual game. There's things in practice you cannot simulate because it's not an actual game. Exactly. So until they figure that out, I mean, it, like I said, it's anybody's guess. Mm-hmm. But you got to be happy with what you see in Houston thus far. Yeah. But. You can't really fault if they're arguing on the court a little bit. Like I say, teammates need time to gel. Like you said, it's two alpha players. It's two, you know, MVPs, all-stars, Yeah, you know, run down the entire list of accolades. They have very high expectations for what they want to see out of themselves and each other. And when, you know, somebody isn't up to their standards, they're going to say something. Yeah, and they have the right to. I mean, that's what teammates do. I mean, how many times do you see teammates get heated in an argument and it just goes away? It's just, yeah. They're playing with passion. Like, what do you expect from them? If they didn't argue and they didn't have that emotion, you wouldn't want them on your team. Yeah, no, you're not going to see a guy, you know, if you got a team down by three late in the game and the guy misses a three, you know, the guy might be like, oh, hey, it's all right. You know, it doesn't matter. But guys like Harden and Westbrook, nah, come on, man, you got to make that. Exactly. So the Western Conference, anybody else there jumping at you right now? Uh, Dallas is looking pretty good. You got three and uh, three and one record as we record that, uh, that looking really good. Yeah, Donick and his sidekick are looking okay. Yeah. We, we will not refer to that person. The artist formerly known as, uh, yeah. Yeah, the unicorn. Mm-hmm. But Dallas is going to contend too. I mean, the West has got a lot of talent that they can play around mm-hmm. with. Let's flip the co- the coin to the East, though. Sure. What, if anything, is jumping out to you there? Uh, I got to say, I mean, they're not looking good, the record 2-2, two and two, but I got to say the play in Detroit from Derrick Rose. Yeah. Looking real good. Derrick Rose is looking like the old Derrick Rose out the gate. Uh Uh-huh. I think that can only help Detroit. Yes. That if they can get him to be, dare I say, like a shade of how he used to be. Yeah. Like like almost like a shadow of his old self. 
that's what I'm trying to say with this. If he, they can wind up doing that, I mean, they could be a scary team to slide in. Yeah, no, they could, they can definitely contend because if I'm not mistaken, Blake Griffin's on that team as well. Mm-hmm. So you got a guy down low like Griffin. You got a guy at the point like Rose. That, that's some parts. They can definitely make something happen there. I think if you're in Atlanta, though, the biggest surprise for me is how Trey Young has came out the gate. And thank God his injury the other night isn't more serious. Right. I think that he has a lot going on and to carry that franchise because obviously him and uh, Donick there from mm-hmm. um, Dallas are always going to be compared because of how oh, they yeah. treated that yeah. last night. Trey Young was the loser of last season in that comparison, but he's now looking like, okay, Atlanta knew what they were doing and the production value he's getting every night on the court thus mm-hmm. far you have to be very happy with. Yeah. And then to take a look at some of the other teams there, I mean, Philly is undefeated. Yeah. Philly is looking great out the gate. Ben Simmons is developing his jumper, which that's been the one thing he's been sorely Scary. sorely lacking. And if, as long as Embiid can stay healthy, yeah, they're going to make a deep run. Yeah, I mean, no, it, they, they very easily can. I mean, they've beaten Boston, Detroit, and Atlanta out the gate. Yeah, which is no easy task. Boston, no. Boston has looked good too. Boston's looked good. I mean, they're getting some decent play out of uh, Kemba Walker, who that was kind of the big question. All right, you you picked up Kemba when you, Kyrie left. Where are you going to get out of him? Uh, currently averaging twenty two points, uh, four point seven rebounds, and two point seven assists per game. Yeah, you have to be very happy with his production yeah. thus far. Yeah, and I think that as we're hearing more news stories break, uh-huh. Boston is in a good place. Yeah, so are the Knicks. So are the Knicks. And you're going, wait, they've only won one game. Yeah, the Knicks are one and three and they're like tied for second to last in the East. How are they how are they in a good spot? Because of the reports that have been breaking about one Kyrie Irving and mm-hmm. his mood swings and this has been the stuff that Brooklyn had been fearing. It, and it's not the first time we've heard about this. No, we we started hearing about this from Boston when he was leaving and just all the yeah. drama. Yeah, there of course there was the story of they the there was this they were calling the players to come back to the arena because they were getting a basketball to sign to send to a children's hospital. Everybody else had signed it and they were trying to get a hold of Kyrie Irving to sign it. And either I can't remember either he didn't want to sign it or they just couldn't get a hold of him. Yeah, there's just been so much of a I don't want to say diva mentality, but a little bit. It is what it is, and the reports have been breaking that his mood swings are really kind of starting to affect team culture. Now, Brooklyn is doing the PR defensive and saying that it's not, but look at his track record. This is definitely a telling story if this is true. And we have to say, due to his previous actions in Cleveland and Boston, mm-hmm. there might be some smoke to that fire. And now, obviously, like you said, Brooklyn's doing the defensive thing. DeAndre Jordan said, quote, it's not affecting our team. I think Kyrie is a great guy. I don't think he is doing anything negative that I have seen. And he's a friend of mine. So if he was, I'd tell him, close quote. So, I mean, it's it's one of those things. That there's smoke, there's fire. I mean, who's to say what it is? I mean, he's he's doing very well out the gate. I mean, he's averaging 37.7 points per game, which is good for best in the league, 5.7 rebounds per game, and 6.3 assists per game. So he's starting out the gate very well. I mean, yes, the, net, the Nets, like we said, they're currently uh, one and two. Uh, they lost their home op- They lost the opener against Minnesota in overtime. Uh, you know, they won against the Knicks, and then they lost against the Gri- the Grizzlies. So I don't know what's going on, but it is not a good look. And let's face this, too. You want to talk about that win against the Knicks. Mm-hmm. That was a late-minute three-point shot right. to win that game. Right. That wasn't a dominating win. That wasn't anything to write home about. They were anointing it as, oh, we took Brooklyn, we took New York. Right. Stop. You didn't do anything. If anything, you've just got more fuel to the fire that if these mood swings are what they are, 
Brooklyn is going to implode by the time KD mm-hmm. gets back, if he gets back. Because you don't know what condition he's going to be coming back from that leg injury. Yeah, it's a tricky injury, and it's one that unless you're not real careful with and do everything as you should and don't rush anything, you'll put more more issues with it. Right, so you have to look at it in that perspective. If Irving is having this many issues, and if their only one win thus far is touting they beat the Knicks and they took the city, stop. You had a late-minute shot. If you were really that good, you should have blown them out by 30. You're not that good. Yeah. And you're getting exposed very quickly. Enough said with that. I'm sorry, Brooklyn, I've seen them thus far. And like I said, the early initial reaction is I am not too worried about them. Kyrie will put up points. Oh, yeah. You know that. But does anybody else on that roster scare you really right now? Not really. No, I, I, you can't be scared about them. And especially losing a couple out the gate is going to hurt a little. Yeah. But it's still very it's early. The, it's the Eastern Conference, though. It's not like the West where – you lose a number of games, you're going to be really behind the eight ball. That's the Eastern Conference. Right. So that being said, you can't get too worked up about that. And you can't get no. worked into the hype that obviously Kyrie is going to be doing some damage and such, so we'll kind of have to wait and see where we go from there. Mm-hmm. But to sum it up with the Knicks, I mean, obviously R.J. Barrett has been looking very great coming out the gate. Yeah. And going from there, the sky is the limit for the Knicks. I know Coach Duffy is not here, so I don't want to go full Nick about it. But promise is there. And definitely. Yeah. So, to sum it up very quickly, the NBA coming out the gate, looking very good. Any, yeah. any predictions going into the week moving forward? Uh, not really sure. I mean, it kind of be interesting to see what we get out of some of the teams that are, you know, like Milwaukee and Toronto. Yeah, Toronto, I'm very interested to see where they go, especially because uh, you've lost Kawhi Leonard and, and where, like, that's a very obvious defensive powerhouse that you've lost. So, it's kind of like, all right, what are you going to get? I mean, they're 3-1, and one, yes, but it's early. It's very early, but a lot of predictions can be made. I'm still saying the Knicks are going to have a better season than the Nets. I'll stick my guns with that one. <laughs> Definitely hit us up on hashtag ODPH. Let us know your early NBA predictions. What team is sticking out? What team is tanking right now? We definitely want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. On a podcast. <laughs> Sorry. On a podcast. Anyway, I'm going to start closing up the One Movie Punch secret volcano layer, and we'll meet you back at home. With a secret volcano lair. Wait, wait, uh, volcano lair, really? Uh, uh, with a secret volcano lair, one podcast host just can't seem to get a break. This October. Oh, what happened? Joseph is forced to survive by any means possible. Who keeps a parking lot full of wood chippers? In a serial audio drama of adventures. Blood. Blood everywhere. Fountains and fountains of blood. That can only be called Reign of Terror 2019. Join us in October 2019 for 31 straight days of horror movie reviews and interviews featuring Joseph, the One Movie Crunch crew, 17 podcast guest reviewers, special guests, and me, your narrator, Shane Hyde. Don't miss Reign of Terror 2019. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, does this mean I miss Joker? 
No. Hey, this is Johnny Moose from Excite Wrestling, and you're listening to the ODPH. I didn't mess it up. I thought I would. Right now, back to the guys. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast. Pad, kick us off with that local minute. Well, local minute, we're, of course, talking Binghamton Devils news. Looking at the games they had this past week, uh, they won They won their game, or excuse me, they lost their game against the, uh, the Penguins by a final score of 4-1. to one. Uh, They lost their game against the Utica Comets by a final score of 5-1. to one. But they were able to win against the Toronto Marlies on Saturday by a final score of three to two. Should have been two to one if the ref hadn't swallowed his whistle. Went was able to go to the game. It was Star Wars night. It was a lot of fun. Uh, the score was at one point two to uh, one, two to nothing. Uh, our goalie had sat on the puck. Now, if the goalie sits on the puck and all the players stop moving, what should happen? Uh, if he sits on the puck, the whistle should be blown and the stoppage of play. Uh, the ref, unfortunately, swallowed his whistle, didn't blow and blow the whistle. What? Yeah, and so one of the Toronto Marlies players came in and went poke and put it into the goal. Uh, the entire arena was not pleased about this, and a rousing rendition of the Funky Chicken Dance was played. And if you're a hockey fan, you know what comes with that. Yep. Uh-huh. A certain two-word uh, sentence. Uh, hey, ref, you suck. Or four, technically. Yeah. yeah. But, no, so, but um, and then, unfortunately, uh, they gave up the one goal. They gave up another goal, so it went to overtime. And I got to just say, like I said before, overtime in minor league hockey is wild. Five minutes, three on three. They don't. You know, rub the ice down and, and smooth it out. No, it's as it is. Uh, but they were able to pull out the win by a final score of three to two. Right on. Uh, looking at their games this week, they have a game this Wednesday against the Utica the, up in Utica against the Comets. Uh, Friday they travel and are playing the Americans on uh, Friday at seven o five, and then uh, Saturday the second they are playing the Syracuse Crunch up in Syracuse. Game time seven o'clock. They return home next Wednesday, November sixth, uh, for a home game against the Utica Comets. Game time seven o five. More. Information BinghamtonDevils.com. All right, and that was not the only sports action happening in the 607? No. no. Uh, then you also had the Binghamton Bulldogs taking on the Ephrata Thunder, where they won by a final score of 130-105. to 105. Yeah, I was in attendance for that. The Bulldogs are coming out the gate a little hot. Uh, Derek Hart is definitely up his game. Mm-hmm. So on the road to Syracuse, as we've been marking on the calendars, yeah. January 11th, they got to do a lot of work to step up. Uh, it was a back-and-forth game, a little tic-tac-y, though. A lot of uh, questionable foul calls. Sure. A lot of, uh, as you could define it, uh, ref swallowing the whistle and letting some stuff go that shouldn't have. Mm-hmm. Either way, the Bulldogs got the W. Yeah. And, you know, they got to be happy starting on the gate 2-0. Absolutely. Because, like I said, Syracuse is looming very, very fast and very, very loudly. And they'll be on the way here in January, so they got to do some work in between then. That's the game we have all circled. Oh, yeah. That'll be a lot of trash talk. wild. So more information on that, BinghamtonBulldogs.com. And we are continuing the local minute because we got an email sent to the ODPH website, and it was addressed from Nat the Ripper. Now, usually when I see something like this, I'm like, okay, it's either, one, some fan that really has got a beef with something we said, B, a spam, email or C somebody else that's involved with a league. And as I read further a little bit, it was about BC roller derby league. Now I am not an aficionado about roller derby. Are you Pat? No. So thus I reached out and I contacted said person to come into the show. So ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Nat the Ripper. Hey, 
Nat, what's going on? <laughs> oh, not too much. You know, just breaking some skulls. But uh, it's the off season right now, so we're just doing training. All right, fair enough. All right, BC Roller Derby League. Break it down for us. Okay, yeah. what is what is this? Yeah, so uh, the BC Rollers is an amateur roller derby league that plays the, I guess, WIFTA rule set. Okay. Which is women's flat track roller derby, basically. But uh, the BC Rollers accepts all genders. You can be male, female, they, them. Um, and we, uh, I guess, short version is we skate around a track, we hit each other, and we make points. Okay. Uh, the long version is, all right, so if you have ever seen a girl with a star or man uh, with a star on their helmet, that's the jammer. Okay. And they start, and they have to pass all these big ladies or guys to score points. Okay. And right. yeah. So are they like formed in like a wall or line or something yeah. that very Okay. Yeah. So you so you form up a line. I'm just trying to visualize yeah, this yeah, as yeah, we're totally, talking. Totally, so. totally. So your your my objective is to get my jammer through to score points and the opposing team is trying to block our jammer and get their jammer through simultaneously. So it's a lot of like track awareness. It's a lot of hard hitting, um, and it's a lot of fun. <laughs> All right, it sounds like it. Yeah, definitely. It definitely sounds like it. So, I mean, it's technically like you mix in a little bit like rugby, football, yeah. like you know, battling on the line of scrimmage per se. Obviously, on skates, so there's a whole other dynamic to it. Yep. That this could get you know really out of hand in a hurry if people aren't really paying attention or if they're really not skillful. I'll say it reminds me of when I was a kid and I, I don't know if there was ever a name for this game but like there was a game you might have played it as a kid where you you got two teams one team lines up in like the middle of a field or something and then you pick a kid who try, all right try to run through the line yep. or something like that and you yep. end up hurting some kids but no it reminds me a little bit of that. Oh yeah oh yeah 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 exactly like and you have big girls going up against small girls but you know what it all hurts when you get hit this a shoulder true. to the kidney. Exactly. <laughs> a little, tr little trick of the trade there. Go yep. right for the kidney. Oh, okay. yeah. Yep, all yep, right. Yep. Fair enough. So how long has the league been going on for now? Oh, gosh. I think since 2012, maybe. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a while. And it's, you know, and we're an amateur league. So we, we like to start off soft. And then, you know, we, we work our way up. And we always... Uh, we're always welcoming new people. Yeah. Oh, very interesting. So now, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you about joining said league, yes, uh, our Facebook page, BC Rollers, uh, or via email, BC Rollers, uh, or Broom, sorry, Broom County Rollers at gmail.com. Okay. Yeah. So now this is all part of the, if I'm reading the press release correctly, yes, the yes. Fresh Meat Recruitment. Yes. Oh boy. Oh yeah. Yep, so, yep, yep. so how does this go about? Just so. Yep, you just show up to Skate Estate on a Sunday when we're holding practice, and uh, you come in, we'll outfit you with skates if you don't have skates, and we'll uh, start showing you the basics. And most people that come in, like, haven't skated since, like, their 10th birthday party. Right. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, me versus gravity, this yeah. doesn't work well. No, yeah, yeah. I, I remember I went roller skating with some friends a number of years ago, and it, it had been a while since I did it. And I always figured, oh, I'm in great physical condition. Yeah. I, I can go roller skating. Oh, it'll be fine. I woke up the next morning, and, and for three days, my shins were just absolutely killing me. Totally different muscle workout. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Well, yep, yep. Yeah, you have to figure that in, because this ties in, like I, I touched upon, like, you got rugby elements, football elements and just like you know the dexterity just be going around in skates because i mean you're i'm assuming you're not just going like two miles an hour you're really whipping around that track and trying to get your jammer through the line oh yeah and trying obviously you gotta go at a very elite speed not saying that you need to be a skilled skater per no. se but you just have to be ready to move quickly and obviously 
deal with some contact to get the to get the jammer through. Oh, absolutely. And like you there's a lot of stopping and starting depending on what rule set you play. There's two different ones. One is very fast paced where you just need to make sure you're aware, you you need to make sure you're constantly looking behind you, but you also need to keep up your speed. And then there's another rule set where there is stopping and starting allowed where you just need to make sure you wall up as quickly as possible. Dare I say like so how far has the BC rollers gone? In the, like the championship or just in the amateur oh league? Oh my gosh, we're just amateurs. Yeah, we're just goofing around. <laughs> okay, but nothing wrong with that because I mean that's the whole thing about sports is you, yeah. you're just having fun. Like oh, you don't yeah. need to do it obviously for competition. Yeah. But like I say, when I first read this email, I'm just going, okay, I know nothing about this, and I didn't even know like we had a roller derby league. I mean, this definitely sounds very intriguing and very, like, and how long does the season usually run for, would you say? We usually go from, I want to say, March, yeah, March to probably October. Okay, so, like, right now you're, this would be, like, the preseason. Yeah. If I'm not, okay. Or sorry, we're, yeah, we're, hit, we're hitting the off season right now. We're cooling things down. We're going back to basics, back to fundamentals. We're getting in uh, our fresh meat. Yeah, I know. I, I love how that's worded. <laughs> That, that, that truly, like, it was catching my eyes when I'm seeing, like, Nat the Ripper fresh meat. I'm like, yeah. all right, I hope this is, like, an actual league. Otherwise, there's like, I might be getting. Ten- yeah, there's a bit of tenderization that happens. <laughs> well, you figure you have to break people into it because yeah. it, it can't be something that you're just walking in and you're basically telling somebody, okay, here's a pair of skates. We're going to circle around. You're going to get hit. Hmm. Okay, let's go. Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah you, you, we, we, we start them off like deer, deer on skates, basically. And uh, get them get them acclimated, and we don't start getting into hitting until we know that they're steady and they got their stance down, they got their their power box squat. Yeah, because yeah, you have to be just you know get mentally ready for that. Because I oh, mean, because yeah. it, like it's just it's a grueling. Ma- I mean, just from watching just a little bit of it as we've been researching since the email, yeah. just to see how much goes into this. And I mean, and how long do when you're skating around with the jammer, how many points to a win? Oh my gosh. Uh, <laughs> or is it just you have a time period and just as many times as you can get yeah. points? So periods, so it's split into um, quarters, uh, half, and then also like periods. So a jam can last up to two minutes. Okay. And uh, a jammer can decide, uh, okay, so a jammer gets either, gets like lead jam. If they get lead jam, they're first out of the pack. Okay. And that jammer now controls the jam. So they can eat, call it off before the two minutes if they want. If they see another, their, somebody, their jammer, another jammer breathing down their back and they're like, I'm not going to let this, this chick score some points on me. And she just like hits her, hits her hips and calls it off. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I mean, it, it, this just sounds like just such a fast paced game. And I mean, just for the, the jam periods too, I mean, it's almost like a power play in hockey almost like it just yeah. kind of the vibe I'm getting yeah, yeah. from it. I mean, just with how much goes into it. I mean, it's truly gotta be something. And obviously how long have you been now doing roller derby for you say? Oh, I want to say like two years. Okay. okay. Two years into yeah. it. All right. And obviously it, this has been something that's definitely you're very passionate about. Oh, yeah. And just like, <laughs> like how cool is that? So like when you first came in, like what would you say like your first experience going in, dare, dare I say being the fresh meat, so to speak, yeah. for the team? Like where were you going in going like, did, what did I get myself into? Or like, <laughs> I can't wait till next week. I, I, I'd always wanted to try roller derby. Okay. S- like since college, just never had the time. And I hadn't been on skates since my 10th birthday party. Okay. Oh, um, and so like they, 
they outfitted me. They were just like, yeah, come on in. You know, just we'll, we'll fit you up with some skates. Here you go. Just get on the track and just skate around for a little bit. I must have fallen on my butt so many times. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, understandable. I mean, that long of time from being on skates. And then just, I mean, how, like, just going through the process again, used to it. And then just like the, the first time you had a real matchup, you know, because oh, I mean, yeah. obviously I'm sure you scrimmaged you know, amongst yourselves. Oh, yeah. So then when you first get out to the game, like what was your first reaction like butterflies in the stomach or just like i can't wait to knock somebody on their ass i thought i was gonna throw up (laughs) really okay (laughs) just because it's just it's so like and i don't think i even remember the first like jam that i did because it was just blackout like i just remember my teammates just pushing me where i needed to go and yeah just falling on my butt a lot <laughs> but still just having that experience and just oh, be another yeah. i mean yeah i mean it's just it gotta be a pure adrenaline rush it was exhilarating it was the most amazing thing and just like being out there just just holding on to your teammates sweat dripping just trying to block and feeling like somebody at your ribs just laying down a shoulder like it's great <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean you just gotta think about it just like okay you gotta defend the line and just getting that mentality and just like you, you're embracing the combat and contact hitting it's just gonna be like all right i'm fully in like you're not getting past this and just the mentality and just how many just you know just contacts you're having it just to ensure the jammer and this like at the end of the game when you finally win or lose it's just gotta be like yeah yeah when it's great yeah when do i start off again yeah. like and, I mean, and it's such a great atmosphere because at the end of every game we've like We've beaten each other, like, pretty much bloody in some occasions. There's been nosebleeds. Um, but we go, we all go out, and we have some drinks together, and it's great. And well, we're best friends. Well, yeah. that's, I mean, that's the best way to be about it. I mean, you always see that, like, too, at the end of, like, sports. You'll see, obviously, football players, especially, like, they just come to the center, and they're always doing the handshake and jersey swap. Yeah. Same thing in MMA when you see, like, two people beating the absolute snot at each other and then they're hugging after and they're like going out. Yeah, it's, it's gotta be the same thing. Just the respect level. Just, okay. I understand what you're doing. You understand what I'm doing. Oh, yeah. You know, it's nothing personal. This is strictly, I don't want to say business, <laughs> but, but when you're coming in there, I mean, obviously you know what you're getting into when you're going in with this. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and just, I mean, it's see it kind of grow a little bit. Like I say, I'm just, I, I'm just completely like blown away that this has been going on. Like I haven't heard of anything about this. I mean, this isn't yeah, a slight no, no, or yeah. at all. No, this is just like, okay, this has been going on and you usually have your matches at skate estate or is it somewhere else? Or just kind of rotate. Usually, yeah, we kind of rotate through either. We'll do them at uh, SUNY broom or we'll do them at the ice house um, off of Shenango. I think it is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. They melt on the ice for, <laughs> for us and then we get to skate around. And, and you just get nice. to skate around and yeah. go from there. Yep. I mean, that's just gotta be a fun thing. And especially it sounds like a long season too, from March to October. Well, it's interesting because sometimes it, it'll be like leagues want, you know, some practice or, you you know, once the season starts to get going, sometimes we'll just do like some pretty informal bouts with each other. And it's just, you know, it's basically the season lasts as long as you want it to. Okay. Yeah. So you could technically want to go year round. You could if, if you really, <laughs> but, but, you, but, you, but <laughs> yeah, I would, I would say in like a physical sport like that, you probably don't want to go year round. There is like, it's fun, but I'm sure like, as you're getting near, like you said, from March to October, when you're getting right around like August, you're like, okay. Yep. A couple more weeks and then I'm good. Yeah. And then I need time to recover. And then it's like as soon as you get to the fresh meat stage, you're like, okay, back on the horse you go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's nice because you get to do back to basics. You get to kind of concentrate on fundamentals and maybe skills you wanted to practice during the season. But obviously you didn't have time because you're prepping your body for yeah. all right. the pain. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, just obviously getting yourself used to it and just going through, you know, the grueling schedule that's got to be. Yeah. 
Cause yeah, cause I mean, it just can't be like, okay, you're going around skating, and then the first time you get like a bloody nose or you get like oh, really, gosh, ch- yeah. like the first time, like when you first got hit, hit, yeah. like what was the reaction? Like, oh geez. I, I was surprised the first time I got hit, hit, like I landed full body on the ground, my head like smashed against the concrete and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad that I'm padded up. Oh, I was a little stunned. Right. Yeah. All I can only imagine is the first time you get knocked and you get your bell rung a little bit, you're yeah. like, Okay. That's when you start having like the second guesses, like, okay, what do I do? And they're like, I'll oh, screw this. I'm getting back up and knock oh, yeah. down there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Get back up so fast. And that's when you know you love it. Yeah. <laughs> How was, fast you get back up. <laughs> I was going to say, well, like, once you do that and then you put like a, you know, a real big hit on somebody, you're like, yeah. Yeah. All right. Now I know what I'm doing. And now it's like, all right, bring it on. I'm taking on everybody here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's an awesome thing to be a part of. And so now that said, the Fresh Meat tryouts mm. are going on uh, right now, actually. Yep. So they just started. So it's going to be every weekend? Every Sunday, yep, at Skate Estate from 6 to 8 o'clock. Okay. Yeah. And then goes right up to the season starts in? I want to say, yeah, March. So it'll be like every Sunday going, moving forward. Yep. So if somebody wants to join in late, you can definitely do that. Oh, yeah. And it's just a matter of just coming in and, you know, you're not going to get thrown into the fire, so to speak. No. You will get tenderized until you're you're cooked in the, <laughs> on the on the on the court there, so to speak. No, that's that's an awesome thing to be a part of. So, I mean, it definitely sounds interesting. We definitely have to have you come back and give us an update on what's going on. So, the website is bcrollers.com, and the email address, so if you're interested for more information, broomcountyrollers at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Nat, thank you so much for coming on the show and talking thank a little you. shop with us. Yeah. Definitely. So, Pad, shall we close this out and talk a little baseball? Sure. Before we go around the – or. Uh, do locks and leaves? Locks and leaves. Yeah, sure. Of course. Uh, baseball going on. You got the World Series going on. Uh, you have for the first time in in the history of the pro sports, that being uh, the NFL, NHL, NBA, and Major League Baseball, which is like uh, I forget the exact number, but it's over twelve hundred games, so over one thousand two hundred games. A, a road team finally won Game Six in in a seven best of seven game playoff series. You know, so that was obviously while you had the uh, Washington Nationals win the game last night, forcing Game 7 tonight, where, if I'm not mistaken, it is uh, Max Scherzer going up against, uh, oh, oh, I'm blanking on the name, uh, uh, Zach Greinke. Thank you, Zach Greinke. I could picture him in my head, but I couldn't think of the name. Going up against Zach Greinke, so that'll be obviously very interesting to see. Uh, my money's on Scherzer. I mean, they are the Washington Nationals, I believe, are 13-2, and 13-3 and three since he took a ball to the face in batting practice. Yeah. So I, I, I think the balls in Nationals, the Nationals court, I think they'll be able to pull it off, not without some obvious controversy in last night's game. Yeah, definitely a lot of stuff going on in that game, but I'm hoping Washington closes it out. As a Yankee uh-huh. fan, I can't root on for Houston. Yeah, no, neither can I. So It's like sheer principle. Yeah, go Nationals. Yes, yeah, so obviously World Series is going on, so hit us up on OD Parlay, our Twitter. Let us know what you're thinking of that, and let's close this show out, shall we, with those locks and leaps. Now, Coach Duffy is still celebrating the Chargers win wherever he is. Maybe he's going to South Bend, Indiana. We don't know. He's kind of just left us a message, but he did chime in for the locks, and I swear if he jinxed my team, I'm going to have words with him out there. <laughs> he took the Bills Uh-oh. against Washington. Uh-oh. So if he started a new curse, I'm going to go find him in South Bend, and we'll take care of it then. And then for a leap, he took the Lions. Okay. 
So kind of shocked with that. Uh, so you want to kick us off or you want me to do? No, I'll kick us off. Uh, to start with my lock, I'm going to take the San Francisco 49ers, who are currently favored by 10 points against the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, 49ers 7-0 going against the Cardinals. They've got some promise, but they're still a very young team. I think the 49ers will be able to handle them very easily. Uh, switching to my leap, uh, I'm going to take the Pittsburgh Steelers to defeat the Indianapolis Colts. Currently, Indianapolis is a one-point favorite, but I think uh, Pittsburgh is showing some, they're showing some life. I mean, don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but they might be able to play some spoilers and mess with some stuff. And I think this will be one of the games they're, they are able to do that. It's a home game for Pittsburgh. So, you know, Steeler Nation will be out there rocking them very loud. It's going to be a fun one, so definitely stay tuned for that. All right, so for my lock, I'm taking Seattle. Okay. Um, I'm riding with Russell Wilson. Well, so you're, you're riding with uh, one Nostradamus who is very happy. Yeah, he's very happy. Or if they the lose, he'll blame you. Uh, probably will, but, you know, Duffy's already cursed my team, so thus I'm, I'm taking it out on everybody. And my leap... Sorry, Pad. Your boys are going down this week. I'm taking the Ravens. For my sanity, I'd be all right with it. Yeah. Because, like I said, I can't take another season of them potentially going undefeated. I just can't. Yes, absolutely. So that was our locks and leaps. So let's wrap this show up. The music you heard on this episode is that of Fair City Fire. They're from Austin, Texas. They're our friends down there. They are sending some great music up, and they're going to be working on some more by year's end. So faircityfire.com for more information. But if you're wondering how to get to there, go to ochoduroparleyhour.com. You can check the music section. You can find out about them, Floodlands, Shout at the Robots, all the great music you hear on the show. Plus, you can check out hashtag 607 podcast. Check out our friends over at 3 Fat Nerds, 8122 Productions, Horizon by 607, Photo Photography by Mike Blakesley. There's so much going on on hashtag 607 podcast you need to check it out along with parlay points the complimentary blog to the podcast so in between shows you can definitely keep up with us ochoduroparleyhour.com has got so much going on you definitely need to check that out so for our guest in studio nat the ripper thank you for coming through thank you for having me for the one only padawan jay ball don't lie (laughs) oh it's gonna lie this weekend let's go purple rain oh I'm, i'm talking the baseball game ball don't lie oh that's true i'm sorry i got all worked up about football now I'm your host, Kenan. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.